2 Samuel 11, we see one of the great falls in the Bible. King David, the man after God's own heart, falls hard. And in this message called The Anatomy of a Fall, you and I are going to learn lessons about how to avoid falling to sexual sin. It's such a huge issue in our society, such a huge need that we know how to battle it and overcome it, and it's today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Some of you may be wondering as we go through the Old Testament on a Sunday morning, what's the value of the Old Testament? I know some of you have been thinking all we're dealing with is wars and (laughs) bloodshed and what's going on here, Pastor Michael. Can't we go to Ephesians or some sort of happy book? I I was driving here and a pastor said a Bible came out. And I think it was something called like the positive Bible. And all the positive passages are highlighted in blue. And so there's a lot of passages in in that version of the Bible that are not highlighted. And he was saying in the book of Revelation, half of the verses are highlighted. And then part B of the verse is not highlighted because it's positive and then negative. (laughs) Well, we can do all we want to do to read only the blue verses right? If you're Mr. or Mrs. Positive, I give you kudos. I love positive people. But I have to tell you that the Bible gives us both sides of the equation. The Bible characters that we love and know the best had feet of clay. And the Bible does not give us any kind of false impressions about who they were and their mistakes. We get to see the good the bad, and the ugly as we study the Bible. And it's a real book for real people who all need help. In 1 Corinthians 10, um, you'll see that the Apostle Paul tells us about the value of studying the life of Israel. In verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 10, he says, Now these things happened as examples for us, that we should not crave evil things as they also craved. In verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 10, it says, Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And then this warning. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. I think the NIV says, be careful. Be careful that when you read Bible stories or you read about the wilderness wanderings of Israel and you... Maybe say to a friend of yours or in a Bible study or maybe in your own heart and mind, how could they do something like that? They saw 10 mighty plagues by the power of God. He opened the sea by the blast of his nostril. How could they be so stupid? And then you go to work on a Monday and you do something stupid, whether on the freeway Or when you just have arrived to work and maybe you have said to yourself even recently, how could I do something like that? Be careful lest you fall. A good, healthy soberness about your own weaknesses is a good thing. In fact, I think we can be most vulnerable when we're overconfident. No temptation, look at verse 13 in the same text, has overtaken you but such is common to man. 
God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation, he will provide what? A way out, a way of escape. When you read 2 Samuel 11, you're going to find yourself continuing to say, David, take the way of escape. David, please take the door of escape. David, stop. Don't take another step in this terrible fall of yours. David, please. But David doesn't take the way of escape. He doesn't. And David's story has been repeated over and over again outside and inside the church. And many people in leadership and otherwise have fallen and fallen hard. In 2 Samuel 11, if you go over there, 2 Samuel 11, we'll pick up the story and we'll watch David. Um, I was part of a a big uh, pastor's conference last Tuesday put on by KKLA. 700 pastors showed up at Azusa Pacific uh, University, which was awesome. The worship was awesome. The speakers were awesome. <clears throat> I was on a panel, and we did a little Q&A from the various uh, people submitted questions. And one of the pastors that was up there said that someone said to him along his journey, after he had made a major mistake, God's not done with you yet. And not, today he's a pastor. And so I'll just say this to you, that <clears throat> if, if this story hits really close to home, and you have fallen on your face, can I just say that God's not done with you yet? God is the God of second, third, and 133rd chances. <laughs> His mercies are new, how often? Every morning. And I need them every morning. So here's the story. It happened, Second Samuel 11, and sometimes life just happens, right? I'm reading for the uh, New American Standard. I think the New King James has similar language. Then it happened. <laughs> Doesn't it seem like we're, we're just cruising along, smooth sailing, and then something just happens, right? It's not like we always, when we have a fall, it's not like we were looking for trouble. Sometimes things just happen. It was in the spring of the year, literally the return of the year, 2 Samuel 11, 1, at the time when kings go out to battle. Kings would battle in the spring typically because the weather was good, winter had passed, usually crops were plenty, and so it was easier to take care of your troops and that kind of thing. So the winter would often shut down battles because of the weather and the difficulty therein. That David sent Joab, Joab was his commander, and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon. This is recorded in chapter 10, and we'll circle back, as I mentioned earlier. And they besieged Rabbah. Rabbah was the capital city. But David stayed. The, the verb here for stayed could be David was sitting at Jerusalem. Now, we know David was a warrior, and chronologists of the Bible say that David was around 50 at this time. So 50 is that classic age of the midlife crisis. I bought a Harley Davidson a few years ago just to see if it would do anything with my midlife crisis. A friend of mine said, Pastor Michael, are you having a midlife crisis? And I said, yes. <laughs> so there you go. David wasn't a sitter. He was, he was a warrior. He loved to be engaged in battle. In fact, when everybody else was 
running from Goliath and wanted nothing to do with Goliath. It was David who said, this guy's not going to defy the armies of Israel, this uncircumcised Philistine. No, no, no. But David now had a palace. He was 50. We read in other passages that some of his advisors were telling him not to fight because they didn't want him to perish because he was the leader of the nation. But kings, even if they weren't involved directly in the battle, would often at least be with their troops to give direction and battle plans. And sometimes they would hang back so that they weren't, wouldn't be killed, but David wasn't there. He had sent his army off, and David stayed at Jerusalem. He was sitting. Many commentators of the Bible have said that idleness was the first step in the anatomy of David's fall. If you're taking notes, idleness is a step toward a fall. Now, what is idleness? Well, idleness is not resting because the Bible tells us that we need rest. So you can't just say if someone's just kicking back or spending a day or on vacation that they're idle. That's not what idleness is. Idleness, listen to this quote, is activity to no purpose. Idleness is activity to no purpose. You've heard it said before, idleness is the devil's playground. How many purposeless people live in our world, even in our city? Oh, there are myriads. They're doing something this morning, but to no purpose. In fact, I, I had mentioned to you a few weeks ago that Ravi Zacharias addressed about 50,000 university students in a multi-site talk that he had given, and they got feedback. And one of the things that the students, as they responded to the talk, asked is, does my life mean anything? In secular humanism and evolutionary theory, frankly, it doesn't. You are just a random uh, result of purposeless, mindless chance in evolutionary theory. You're going nowhere and your life is just an accident anyway. That is quite the opposite of what the Bible teaches, that you have been prepared for good works that God prepared beforehand, that you should walk in them. Your life has a purpose. But in our educational system, and this is not to put down those who teach in universities because it's not true across the board, but secular humanism has gotten a foothold, and people are wondering if anything matters anymore. In fact, people are starting to question whether there's such a thing as truth and whether words even mean anything anymore. This is where we are. And so David was there at the palace. He had a cushy palace. Samuel Johnson said, if you are idle, be not solitary. If you are solitary, be not idle. He was alone. Sometimes when we find ourselves in a vulnerable spot, that's a good time to call a friend and say, man, I'm feeling like I could make a major mistake right now. If you have issues of sin patterns in your life, what we might call habitual struggles, which does happen to Christians, let's face it, then get an accountability partner and when you're feeling weak, pick up the phone and say, would you walk with me through these next couple of hours or through this valley or through this season? David had laid his armor aside. The Bible says, put on the full armor of God that you may take your stand against what? The schemes of the devil. But he laid his armor aside. He was vulnerable, weak, idle. Verse two. When evening came, 
Hey folks, I've been telling you about different ways that you can connect with Walk in Truth. And one of the ways you can do it through modern technology is download the Radio Scribe app and search for Walk in Truth. There you'll have access to all kinds of cool resources, including one thing I'm going to highlight today, which is a devotional. It's a video devotion I've done on, will God give you any more than you can handle? Question mark. I'm sure you've had that question. It's a five minute video devotion. It'll bless you. You can refer friends to it and hopefully it'll help you with your walk. Download the Radio Scribe app, search for Walk in Truth and check out the devotion today. God bless you. David had laid his armor aside. The Bible says, put on the full armor of God that you may take your stand against what? The schemes of the devil. But he laid his armor aside. He was vulnerable, weak, idle. Verse two. And when evening came, David arose from his bed. Now in the ancient world, apparently a midday rest, siesta, nap, power nap, was something that they practiced. And I praise the Lord for that. I think that's extremely biblical. (laughs) And as I get older, I'm more and more convinced in my theological perspective. But anyway, so David was kicking back. I don't know if he had taken a snooze, but he rose from his bed. Some versions say his couch. And he walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw. Now, to walk around on your roof was common in the ancient world. People didn't really have backyards or porches The roof is where you spent a lot of your time uh, just, you know, maybe enjoying a meal or just kicking back. You can can read a lot about this in the Bible and in other uh, ancient sources. So it wasn't unusual that David would be walking around on his roof. He probably had walked this many times. He had a good view from the palace. Um, In fact, if you get a chance to go to Jerusalem, you can have lunch at restaurants on the roof of the restaurant. And from the roof, you get a great view of the city. I was at a restaurant uh, some years back, eating a great meal overlooking the city of Jerusalem. And it gives you a wonderful view of what's going on. And so David's palace, I would imagine, was higher than most. And remember, it, it had been built on Mount Moriah, which was already an elevated place. So from David's palace, you could see the city well. And I wonder how many times he had walked the walk You know, just gazing over his kingdom. Nothing wrong with that, right? Watching the city view and that kind of thing. But from the roof, he saw. He saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful in appearance. Now, at first, you could say, well, maybe this was just an accidental moment where David, you know, he's just surveying his kingdom. He's kicking back. And he saw something that He wasn't intending to see. And that's quite possible that, you know, this just happened, and I'm sure it wasn't an everyday occurrence, but somehow he looked, and there was this woman, and she was bathing, and he just was caught off guard. But there's something else here that I think we need to consider that I just thought about this week, and I'll just lay it out for you. Is it possible that David knew well who lived there? and what the practices of this house were. I I suppose it's possible. In our modern age today, if you want to look for something in this category, that is to see a naked individual, to be blunt, you can find it. The accessibility of these kinds of images in our day 
is so incredible that it has become a national and international epidemic. And I'm not talking about just outside the church. I'm talking about inside the church. I was listening to a program from Focus on the Family just this last week. Levi Lusco was being interviewed. He's written a book called Swipe Right. Swipe Right, I guess, is a uh, term that's becoming more and more popular where there are apps now. There's something like dating sites, but it's more like a casual site where you can hook up with somebody. And if you like their picture on these apps, you swipe right. If you don't like it, you swipe left. And if you swipe right and they swipe right on your photo and you swipe right on their photo, then you can pursue a relationship, which is often just a casual encounter for one night with a person. Because in our culture, more and more of the younger generation, millennials and otherwise, are beginning to ask questions about what marriage and covenants really mean. Do they mean anything at all? With the redefinition of marriage now all over the United States and the casual approach that uh, comes to this area of life, people are asking questions like, should you even be married? What does a covenant really mean? What is marriage? And when staples of society, biblical staples, ideas of God, marriage is God's idea, governed by God, begin to be redefined, a culture begins to lose its way. After the same-sex marriage laws came down the pike, there's groups of people right now that are now saying that they want what's called polyamory to pass. This is group marriage now. So if you want to have six and seven spouses of different genders within a marriage group, that should be fine because who's to say that's wrong? And if you want to include your dog, cat, and whatever else in the marriage, well, who's to say that's wrong? I mean, think about it. If you begin to redefine what marriage means, where does it stop? Who gets to define what the borders are? We're on a slippery slope, and I hope you can see it. And so more than ever, the church is facing some really serious cultural winds that are blowing hard in our direction, and we're going to have to decide if we're going to stand for biblical values or not, and it's not popular. And so there's David. Levi Lusco, by the way, said uh, the average uh, six-year-old gets their first Exposure to pornography in our world at the age of six. One in three 13-year-olds are addicted to pornography, watching over 50 clips a week. One in three 13-year-olds. It's our world. And so we can see how this applies. In that interview, he said he was exposed to it at a young age, and he said it takes 15 minutes to look and about 15 years to forget what you saw. But then he went on to confess that he's not even sure it's 15 years because some of you understand what I'm talking about, that when you see something, you don't really unsee it. And when they're talking about healthiness, and I'm just being real with you guys because this is where we live and the church has got to address it and here's where we are in our Bible. They're, they're talking about the healthiest people in marriage relationships and intimacy are the ones who never... We're exposed to that kind of stuff. They're the healthiest in their marriages. 
Now, it doesn't mean that we can't, you know, be renewed and, and have, you know, a chance to start over no matter what's happened to us. I'm not talking about that it's over for any of us because we know that in Christ there's, we're new creations, right? There's always a new beginning, but here's what happened. David looked, he saw she was bathing and she was very beautiful in appearance. She was stunning. And there she was, and David saw her. Now David had a decision like, I suppose everybody has a decision to make when something like this comes before us. Some of you may have accidentally come across something. We know how prevalent this is. So you can get an image on your phone or your computer or there can even be a billboard or a magazine when you're in the grocery line. And so there it is, right? And so sometimes you had no intention. You could be flipping channels, you know. Uh, you could be watching something on Netflix and all of a sudden, wow, there it is, right? So when that happens, you have a decision to make. And the decision that you need to make now is what you're gonna do with that. Are you gonna turn it off? Are you gonna turn away? Are you gonna delete that? Or are you gonna play with fire? The book of Proverbs says, if you take fire to your chest, you are going to be burned. There's just no two ways about it. And so David looked and he had a moment of decision. Jesus brought this up in Matthew 5. Uh, Weast, uh, he uh, translates it this way, everyone who is looking at a woman in order to indulge his sexual passion for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You can reference Matthew 5, 27 and 28. The book of James uh, deals with this as well. It says, blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, James 1, 12 through 15, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. Each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. You know, uh, there's an old story about uh, a conversation between Adam and God. And he says about Eve, why did you make her so beautiful? And God responds, so you would love her. But why did you make her so dumb? And God responds, so she would love you. <laughs> That's from Second Opinions, chapter three. In the book of Job, perhaps one of the oldest books in the Bible, Job says, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look on a woman to lust after her. If you are married and you have wandering eyes, let me just say to you, your spouse notices. Can I say that again? If you're married and you have wandering eyes, your spouse notices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. I, I didn't think that was gonna be so troublesome. That was just a minor point. Uh, it's just gonna move on. But let's park there. <laughs> when something comes across the computer screen that's beautiful, there's a difference between admiring beauty and lusting after somebody. And you know the difference. 
You know it. I don't have to explain it to you. You already know it. There's a difference between saying, as one pastor put it many years ago, good job, God. (laughs) Wow, that person is good looking. It's another thing to begin to indulge a fantasy of focusing on that person with all the wrong thoughts and you, you get it, right? You don't have to go there. You can just say, boy, that person is handsome. Boy, that person is pretty. And that's it. See, sometimes in the Christian church, we get the idea that Christians got to walk around like this. I'm not going to look. Look, we want you to look where you're going, okay? And if you see somebody beautiful, it's okay to admire beauty and leave it at that. But if you begin to indulge and you go beyond that, Jesus says at some point in that process, it becomes adultery. It's spiritual adultery. And of course, that what I just described to you sounds fairly innocent, right? It sounds, you know, like kind of everyday life, but I've been talking to you about what's going on with our culture and the epidemic of pornography. Turn to the book of Proverbs, which is to your right. Proverbs, right after the Psalms. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It's a good book, and it's 31 chapters. Proverbs 5, to to read regularly. Proverbs 5. We're going to pick it up in verse 14. Proverbs 5, 14 says... I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. 5.15 of Proverbs. It says, drink water from your own cistern, fresh water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain, 5.18, be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breasts satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. For why should you, my son, this is written by Solomon, by the way, who had 700 wives and 300 concubines, so (laughs) physician, heal thyself, right? For why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. His own iniquities will capture the wicked, and he will be held with the cords of his sin. He will die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he will go astray. Hey folks, I'm excited to tell you about another way that you can connect with Walk in Truth. Download the Radio Scribe app and search for Walk in Truth. There you'll find a lot of cool resources. You'll be able to listen to messages. You can access devotionals. And you can partner with Walk in Truth and help us reach more people. Download the Radio Scribe app. Search for Walk in Truth and find a lot of cool resources there. I know it'll be a blessing to you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.